Amen. Good morning, church. I got to say hi to my people. How are the youth doing this morning? Awesome. I, uh, I'm, I mean, if you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Drew. I'm the youth, uh, youth and Young Adults Pastor here at Moncton Wesleyan, and I'm excited to uh, be able to share the word with you this morning. And uh, as we took a moment of silence earlier in the service, I, I thought a little bit about what that means. And, you know, it's such a, a, a thing of respect because, and why? Because it's pretty hard to do, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. We, we, we struggle sometimes with silence. It can, be, it can be a challenge to be quiet. I work with teenagers. I know how hard it is for them to be quiet, and I really appreciate it when they do because I know how meaningful that can be. And if you're a D or you're an I personality, I'm mostly D, it, it, it can be even harder sometimes to sit still and to just, just be quiet, to, to pause. I mean, what do you think about why, why does this make us so uncomfortable? And, and how do you feel about inactivity? I think it's an interesting topic, and it's something I want to talk about. I want to talk this morning about the rhythm of rest, because I believe we live in a world of unceasing activity. We just, we just go, go, go all the time. I spent a week in New York not that long ago, and it, it, you know, it brags about being the city that never sleeps, right? Um, and we live in a world that really never sleeps, you know, we have so much. We have artificial light. We have 24-hour services. And also that this machine of society can just labor on and on and on. Never ending. And I think it's safe to say that we might be in danger of losing the value of rest. To losing the rhythm of rest. And so today I hope to restore a little bit of that value. And I hope to even encourage you to see rest as a beautiful gift from God, as something that we've been given by him, and we really ought to be rejoicing in it. I, I love the book, and if you, if you want to take some time to study more on this, I recommend a book by Wayne Mueller called Sabbath, Finding Rest and Renewal and Delight in Our Busy Lives. Great book on iTunes, $13.99. Definitely should get it. Uh, but here's, here's a quote from that book. He says, in today's world, with its relentless emphasis on success and productivity, we have lost the necessary rhythm of life, the balance between work and rest. Constantly striving, we feel exhausted and deprived in the midst of great abundance. We long for time with friends and family. We long for a moment to ourselves. I did a little experiment. Well, it was kind of a lesson one time on being still with teens, and I had a, a video that was really loud and noisy, and then all of a sudden it kind of went... <laughs> It just stopped, and the room was dark, the screen went black, there were no lights on, and I wanted to see how long it took for students to get antsy. Two seconds. <laughs> That's how long it took. Literally, I mean, it was just like, it went dark, and everyone's like, Drew, Drew, what's going on? You know, like, it was just a blink, and people got uncomfortable with the silence. And so, I want us to look at a scripture. We go way back to the law of Moses, the top 10 in the 10 commandments, and we're going to look at this fourth commandment for a minute, and I just want to dig deep into this today. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes you, 
your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. We get it, everybody, right? All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out with amazing power and mighty deeds. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, I, I spent an interesting uh, time preparing for this message, and I want to be honest with you, I wrestled with this scripture uh, a lot over the last few weeks, actually. And I've come to call it the odd commandment, and, and I jokingly called it the gray-haired stepchild of the Ten Commandments, and you have to think about that for a minute, but it's kind of a, it's a, it's a difficult commandment, and I had to wrestle with this. There's different viewpoints and different sides to understanding on how it applies today, and we know it's, a, you know, as I, I've grown up in the church, I've wrestled with how it, it sort of has different rules in it, and it, it sort of functions differently than the rest, and we, we wrestle with this. And so I did some digging, and I want to point out why it comes out as odd and what some of the differences are. I'll allow you to, to interpret it and think about how that applies to you today, but I hoped to bring us around to the point of value in such a, a, an awesome commandment that I believe is a gift from God today. And so first, Jesus kind of softened this command a little bit. The uh, Pharisees and the people in Jesus' day had kind of turned this commandment into a burden, into a a crippling kind of thing that hindered a lot of good that could be done. And and it's the only commandment not restated in the New Testament in in complete form. It's It's just not given back to us in the New Testament. And he repeatedly challenged this strict and this legalistic rules that that were based on this commandment. So Jesus, you, you know the stories many times. Um, they tried to trap him and tried to trick him by asking him to do things on the Sabbath or challenging his views of the Sabbath. But he made other commands um, more strict. He often took other commandments and said, no, you need to take these even more seriously. Like in 1 John, he talked about hate being equal to murder. It's not just the violent act of murder, but even hating your brother. And in Matthew 5, he talked about lust being equal to adultery. But when it came to this commandment, he kind of softened it a little bit for us. And he also, we also read in the New Testament about how the day that we celebrate the Sabbath is flexible. In Romans 14, 5, it's, it says in the same way some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. And so we get this kind of permissive uh, statement that this, the day that we celebrate the Sabbath is not necessarily crucial. And then as you can see why this is different than other commandments, there's not, a, not the flexibility in the other ones, right? And so there, we also learn there's no grounds for judgment. And I think this is a really key and important topic for us to understand that, that this commandment doesn't allow us grounds to judge others. Um, there's no condemnation for having different practices of the Sabbath. In the New Testament, we read in Colossians 2, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. And so we, we get a, a different view of this commandment in the New Testament. And it's also important to realize that it stands apart from the other commandments in that it is not a moral law. Moral laws are laws for all people at all times. This law, in particular, was a ceremonial law that applied on a certain day for certain practices to a certain people. It was given to the people of Israel. And so the other nine commands, they were moral laws. They applied to everyone all the time. 
this one was very specific. So I had to ask myself, why is this one in the top 10? I mean, it, it's, it's an important statement, obviously. It's got to be. So why is it in this? Why is it here? And as I wrestled with this, I, I, th- I believe it's because it's a blessing. I believe that this command is easily seen as a burden. It's easily seen as, as kind of a challenge or, or a difficult thing, kind of like silence can be difficult for us. But I believe it was a blessing and a gift to us and to them. See, Jesus taught that the Sabbath was meant to be a blessing more than a law. When he was challenged, he said in Mark 2, 27, that Jesus, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Think about that for a minute. We were, the Sabbath wasn't made to restrict and to bind. It was actually made for your needs and for your good. And so my challenge this morning as we look deeper into this is that you would see this principle not as a, a binding restrictive, but as a freeing gift from our God, a beautiful thing that we can celebrate. So I want to look at four blessings this morning of a weekly rhythm of rest. See, when I was younger, at about 15 years old, I took up drumming, and I started playing the drums. It was my first instrument, and uh, as, I, as I studied drums, I, my, I started to learn how to read drum music. And drum music is slightly different from regular sheet music in that a note in drum music indicates a hit on a drum. Whereas in other instruments, you can sustain a note. So you can hit a key on a, on a piano and it can sustain for the amount of time. So a quarter note sustains for so long, a whole note is longer. And you know, if you took some basic rhythm, you understand that. But in drums, each hit is the same. Every hit is just one beat. And so a whole note sounds the same as a quarter note, sounds the same as an eighth note, as a sixteenth note. They all sound the same. So what's the difference? And the difference was the pause. The difference was the rest in between the notes. And in between the beats, there was a, a beauty in understanding the length of time between pauses and beats and rhythms in life. And in music, I had to come to realize that it was actually sometimes the times I didn't play that was my greatest contribution. In fact, as I got, you know, as you start out on an instrument, most people who, who learn, they, when, you, when you're a beginner, you just got to play all the time. And you start playing with a group, and you're play, 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 play. And someone says, can you kind of not play for this verse or this? It's kind of like, what? You want, me to, you want me to not play for any? You know, but that's actually a part of music, is the time when we rest, the time when we pause. And so as we look at this blessing of this weekly rhythm of rest, I hope that you'll see that it can be a blessing and just a beautiful thing in our lives. And so I want to look first at how it's a rhythm of rejoicing, a rhythm of rejoicing, and it's a spiritual blessing. This is meant to be an uplifting spiritual blessing in our lives of remembrance. And you can see it in our scripture as we talk about the simple opening statement of observing the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The commandment to keep it holy is to set it apart for God, for that day to be his day. And so the translation is to stop the everyday busyness and business of life and intentionally set one day aside each week to rejoice in me and remember. There's a real intentionality. There's a, there's a purpose behind this. It's very much like we use communion in worship today when we celebrate communion 
It's a time of, of thankfulness for the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, what he's done for us in this beautiful gift of his son on the cross. These people would have looked at this and they would have said, this is a reminder of the great gift that we were given of freedom from slavery. They had just come out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. The people of God would have been ready to rejoice at the freedom they had received. Just like we can be thankful for our great gift, it was an intentional time of spiritual blessing. And so I want us to think about this time of remembrance that we ought to be celebrating weekly as we are here today. It's, it's about remembrance. And, you know, God knew we have a tendency to forget. How many, how many of you guys have a tendency to forget? <laughs> we have to admit it. How many of you use your phones to remember everything? And it's a great tool. I love it. I'm always telling Siri, remind me, remind me to do this. Uh, because we tend to forget. And I think it's pretty clear that our God knew this. He instituted many things throughout time for us to remember. And the word and the, the, the instructions to remember are all throughout Scripture. And so he says for six days a week, the world is going gonna, is gonna to try to take first place from you. It's going to try to take me away. It's going to fight for all of your time and all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And so Sabbath time is for us to remember and to remind ourselves what matters most, who is first. It's a time to rejoice in what God has done and remember what he's done for us. And we have good reason to rejoice, amen? Yeah. Amen, we've been set free. I mean, today we have the, the, the beauty of our Savior and what he's done for us. And there's, there's just such a, a beautiful reason to get together. And so weekly we're instructed to gather in his name and to rejoice in what he's done. And I believe we can't afford, church, to really become a morose, joyless dutiful congregation that just kind of does it because we have to. I remember early on in my career in ministry, I had to wrestle with why I go to church. Something that, as a pastor, you kind of have to go. You don't have a choice. <laughs> it's your job. You got to go. And, I, and I, at first, it kind of bugged me. I was like, I don't want to go to church because I have to go. I don't want to go out of duty or responsibility. I want to go because I want to go. And I just decided, you know what, I have to go, but I can still in my heart go because I want to go. And I decided that I would go to rejoice and be thankful for what God has done, not because it was my job. I think we have good reason to rejoice in the spiritual blessing. And so it's, all, it's also a spiritual, or it's also a physical blessing. And I, I want us to talk about the rhythm of refreshment, that this is not just a spiritual thing for us, it's also a physical thing. I believe that God knew we needed physical rest, right? I mean, it's pretty clear that he says six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. I, I think that this day was meant to be and should still be perceived to be a gift of physical rest. It was permission to take a rest. I, I kind of have to think back to what Israel must have been feeling after 400 years of slavery, um, there's kind of two possibilities. Either they were just sitting around doing nothing, and God needed to say, okay, work for six days, take one off. Or he, he maybe had to say, you know what? You're used to working constantly, nonstop, never ceasing. I want you to feel free. I want you to feel this gift of a rest. I want you to pause. I want you to take some time off. See, the need to rest... We know, I mean, science has, has understood this for a long time, that, and, and it's just a basic biological need in all life, not just our lives, all life on earth. 
and the rhythms of rest, they were created and built into our universe. We can look at the creation account where, Jesus, or where God rested on the seventh day. And it's our planet, nature, it all functions in a rhythm of rest. In fact, our bodies follow these natural biological rhythms, and they're linked to the natural order, as does all life around us. They're discovering so much about this. In fact, uh, an 18th century Swedish botanist named Carolus Linnaeus, I think that's how you say it, became so enamored with the rhythms in plants that he grew a garden that could tell time. That's how rhythmic life is, that he could set plants, he could, he could have plants that would open and close on the hour and tell the time. Wayne Mueller also says in his book that many scientists believe we are hardwired like this to live in rhythmic awareness, to be in and then step out, to be engrossed and then detached, to work and then to rest. We're not meant to work without ceasing. We're not meant to go without ceasing. We need times of pause. And so he continues, he says, it follows then that the commandment to remember the Sabbath is not a burdensome requirement from some law-giving deity, but rather a remembrance of a law that is firmly embedded in the fabric of nature. It is a reminder of how things really are, the rhythmic dance to which we unavoidably belong. This, is, this should not appear to us as a burdensome command, but yet one of release and, and a permission to take what is naturally required us. Chronobiology is, this, is a new, newish, modern branch of biomedical sciences, a science is devoted to the study of biological rhythms. I find this is fascinating. I've, I've read some pretty scientific documents that only a tiny fraction made sense to me, but at least uh, I've read some of them and understood some of it. But one of the significant findings in this chronobiology is the link to a circuseptin or a weekly rhythm in the body. And it's relatively new in the last 20 or so years where people are, are realizing that we don't just follow the circadian rhythm of day and night, which we all know and feel and you know, rest and, and on a daily basis, but we actually follow a weekly rhythm. And not just us, all life has these weekly rhythms built into it. In fact, conditions like our blood pressure, our heartbeat, our body temperature, hormone levels, acid content in the blood, red blood cell count, oral temperature, the list goes on and on, even a stress coping hormone cortisol, they all rise and fall in circuseptin or weekly patterns and rhythms. Even our human teeth show a weekly pattern of small ridges and lines forming every seven days, seeming to rest. Nature itself, our bodies are designed by our God in a weekly rhythm. It's no mistake that this command is in existence, that it's there for our good. The world around us is starting to notice this need in our lives. You can, you can get apps on your phone, and you can find you know, Fitbits telling you when to go to sleep and when to get up, and every, everybody's trying to manage all this stuff, and we've got all of these things that are starting to realize that maybe what God said thousands of years ago, maybe he knew, perhaps when he instructs us to rest, it's not a punishment or duty, but rather a gift of health and life based on knowing our inmost being and knowing how much and how dearly he loves and cares for us. It's a physical need. It's also a rhythm of respect. It's also a way that we can show uh, a social blessing to the world of equality in the scripture. I, I, I like to think about this next section where he goes on and lists all the, all the different people, all the different animals. Everyone needs to rest as you do. 
And I think rather than looking at this section as a restriction, what if we see it as a comment on respect and on equality? Maybe this would have been a reason for them to rejoice in the freedom that not just the masters and the, and the leaders or, or the head of the household could rest, but that all beings, all life needs rest. You know, it, it's, it's no small surprise that we're all interconnected. Everything we do, all of our actions affect those around us on a regular basis. And so the need for rest, it's, it's not just for some. And, you know, we can, we can kind of, I remember when I was young, I thought I could go, go, go all the time and pull all-nighters all the time. I still have to do all-nighters once in a while at youth group. I don't deal with them nearly as well as I did in my 20s, I'll tell you that. Um, it takes a lot longer to recover, and it's a lot harder to do it because we need this rest. And so I think this command reminds us of the social responsibility to allow for and to encourage rest in ourselves, but also in others, especially those in our realm of influence. We, we know that we kind of esteem busyness, and we kind of we honor busyness, and it's, it's seen as a good quality, and it is for six out of seven days. But the value of rest, I believe, is something that we can promote and encourage. And sometimes the people around you need your permission to take their foot off the pedal. I work with students, and I see all the time the pressure that is on them. And you probably do too. And it's, it's never ceasing. It's, it's a constant pressure and demand for their time and their heart and their soul. And everyone wants first place. We all see it. We all feel it. And you feel it too. But I see it very firsthand in that regard. And so I want us to be careful of letting the value of busyness to be king in our lives. Our culture invariably supposes that action and accomplishment are better than rest. That doing something, anything, is better than doing nothing. Do you see that? I, I see that. I see that, that, that I feel that. I feel it. I, I struggle to pause. If there's a, you ever have those awkward moments where you're in a room and there's a bunch of people talking and they all stop at the same time? <laughs> and everyone feels like, oh, gotta, someone's got to break the silence. We can't have silence. Anything is better than doing nothing. I think our families need a day where school is not most important where work is not most important, and God is most important. I really believe that. Thank you. I think that's the social responsibility. It is that God is first. We believe it, and this is, this is an instruction to act on it. I also think it's a rhythm of repose. Repose means a state of tranquility or peace. And we all long for peace. <laughs> we, all, we, we know the Bible promises peace, that God will give us a peace that passes our understanding. And I believe that this is an emotional blessing of peace when we rest, this rhythm of rest. And so it says in the last part of the verse, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out with amazing power and mighty deeds. Your God brought you out. That is why the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And it's the simple fact that peace comes when we realize and remember that the Lord is in control, that he's got our backs. He's got you in his hand. It's so easy 
to just want to take control and to be in control of everything going on around us. It is so hard to let go of control. I, I, it is for me. I don't know what personality type would be okay with letting go. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you, you'd have to tell me because I, I don't feel that at all. I like to be in control of things. The students know when things don't go well, I'm like, oh, it's got to be, everything's got to work. But the Sabbath is a day to let God handle things, to let God be in control. You know, the scientific findings that we talked about earlier, the circuseptum rhythms have linked depression and the stress coping hormone cortisol with a weekly cycle. And so Scientists are discovering that God created us with a weekly rhythm and physiology that also affects us emotionally. It doesn't surprise you, does it? I mean, it makes sense that we are, we are, our physiology affects our emotions. It's all interconnected. And so I believe that God knew that we didn't just need this physically. We didn't just need it spiritually. We needed it emotionally as well. And so in Psalm 55 and other many verses throughout Scripture that, that tell us to cast our cares on the Lord, that he will sustain us, that he is the one who keeps us, and, and he is the one who will care for us. Sabbath time, as Wayne Mueller says, is time off the wheel, time when we can take our hand from the plow. Amy wanted me to break into Jesus, take the wheel. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, know how, I don't know the song that well, <laughs> but it's time off the wheel when we take our hand from the plow and let God and the earth care for things while we drink, if only for a few moments, from the fountain of rest and delight. I really think it's an important value that we find in our, in our lives today. Israel would learn this. They would learn to trust in God's provision. You know the story of the manna from heaven. If you don't, what happened was that God would provide them. This is in um, Exodus chapter 16, if you want to go read it. And manna was provided every day for them. And yet if they took too much of it, and they tried to keep some because they were worried about God taking care of them the next day and wanted to take control back, then they, it would rot and it would stink and it would be filled with worms the next day. But on the sixth day, Moses commanded them to take enough for two to use enough for one and then save enough for the second day. And he explained to them that God would provide. And so it, it's really an exercise in trust to take a day of rest. It's not when all the work is done, right? It takes a lot of trust in God to stop controlling everything. And it's not a stop. The word Sabbath means to stop our regular duties and our regular work. Um, by the way, the word for work and duties is, is linked to slave work work that is required of you by others. And so it's not a stop this because the work is done. It means stop because it is time to stop. Because if, if we wait till the work is done, if we only stop when the work is done, who's going to stop, right? I don't know about you, but I, it's never done. We're never going to reach that point. Ask my wife about the laundry. It's never done. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, if you have little kids, especially, and we do. But for some reason, our God likes us, and he likes us a lot, amen? He loves us, and he wants to care for you. I think it's such a beautiful thing that God wants us to rest in him. Job was astounded at this. He, he said, what are people that you, would, that you should make so much of us, that you should think of us so often? Just realizing how much God loves us is such an important aspect of this. In Philippians 4, we see he says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. Did you catch that? 
That it's when we, we pause and we don't worry and we say, God, you're in control, you're first, you've got my back, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I believe that if we remember our weekly emotional rest and we take, we take this emotional rest from the worries of life and remember that God has our back, that we will be emotionally strengthened and blessed each and every week. So as we, we get to the end here, I want us to think about just a powerful scripture to challenge us to embrace the rhythm of rest as a gift from God. I love this verse. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It's a promise. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Would you agree that, I know I have, I've taken this command as kind of a burden often. I've looked at it as a, as a restriction, as sort of a, a thing I have to do, but it's so hard to do. I believe God knows it's hard to do. But I hope today you can see the gift that rest is for us. I hope that you can see the value of this gift. That if we take a day to rejoice in the Lord and, and we give thanks and we remember him, that it, it realigns us with God and it brings us back each and every week, no matter how hard the world will pull you away, let's, let's come together and realign with what matters most. And when, when we need physical refreshment, feel free to take that change of pace and activity. It's okay to rest. It's okay to slow down. It's okay. And you might interpret that in different ways. You know, I, I, I've thought a lot about how you rest. If you sit at a desk all week, maybe rest is to get out there and do, go for a run or go for a walk or, or do something active. You know, rest can take many forms, but it's okay to change your pace. Maybe it's time to give some permission and respect those around us and, and help them to see the need for rest. Maybe you have children or, or youth that need to know that it's okay to let God be first. Maybe God can do more in seven days than you alone, or more in six days than you alone can do in seven, right? And then maybe you need to take a bit of peace and repose yourself to God's control. Lean into him. So we're going to sing this song that they sang last week. It's such a, a powerful song of of rest, and I, I want to challenge you to, to think about, I'll leave these on the screen, think about maybe, maybe you need to surrender to the value, to the gift of rest, and maybe you need to improve on your rejoicing. Maybe there's an area that you could work on, well, this is a great time to do it. Rejoice in the Lord as we sing with joy and thanksgiving for what he's done. Or maybe you, just, you need to admit that it's time to take a rest. Or maybe it's time for you to to give some permission and maybe you need to pray, but God would help you to just value rest and see its value and, and, and share that value with others. Or maybe it's time for you to lean into God and find your peace that you've been needing. So I challenge you during this song as an act of worship to just take a moment 
whether you sing or you just you pray, take some time to think about this beautiful gift that God has given us in this fourth command that's, that's different. I think it's because it's such an amazing and incredible gift from God. Let's worship together.